Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Well Well. This is Jarrell. I'm Rachel. Thank you for joining us again. Yay. Welcome back, everyone. By the way, Jarrell, happy International Red Panda Day. Oh, that's today? That's today. Ah, I did not know that. Did you know it was a thing? I did not know it was a thing. <laughs> um, so today you were like talking like you were like, oh, I just missed it. But I was no, no. ready for the holiday. No, I, so full disclosure to everyone listening, um, I really enjoy pandas, period. Um, but I also really enjoy red pandas, um, which aren't technically pandas, but that's neither here nor there. Wait, is that true? Yeah. What do you mean they're not pandas? They're actually in the uh, family closer to raccoons. Oh, I really like raccoons. If you see them. Yeah. Like koala bears or panda bears, full circle. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm good with it now. Yeah. So I really like red pandas. There's a great Instagram account. If you're interested, you can follow Carson the Red Panda. Uh, you'll see his adventures and then friends of his too. So it's really cute. Yeah. I just followed the Cincinnati Zoo. Yeah, Cincinnati Zoo too. Yeah. Never been. The Central Park Zoo also has a red panda for those who are in New York and would like to go see one. So oh. we did not mean to come on here to talk to you about Red Panda. <laughs> the episode is not about Red Panda. Great topic. This is not a Red Panda episode. So we're going to talk about mental health stigma, mm -hmm. but in a slightly different way than I think it gets talked about often. I think people, which, which is great, usually talk about it in a big picture type of way of, you know, ways to reduce mental health stigma, make therapy accessible, have mental health be a reason you can take medical leave from your job, big things like that. And I think we've actually come a really long way on, I, let's say, the macro stigma issues. Mm. Um, but I think what we haven't come a long way on are some of the smaller day-to-day -day ways that people are stigmatizing mental health and therapy and receiving help for any mental health condition and probably aren't realizing it. Yeah. And I think on that note, like as we get started, I think there are a couple like quick stats I think it'd be good to share with people. Um, so just to kind of put some context on why this is so important to talk about. Um, so according to NAMI, which is the National Association for Mental Illness, um, there are some statistics for 2018 um, that's, that said about 19% of U.S. adults experience mental illness in 2018. So that's over 47 million people, or one in five adults. Um, in addition to that, um, only, only 43, about 43% 43 of U.S. adults with mental illness received treatment in 2018. So 20% of the population living with mental illness in a given year and only about 43% people accessing treatment. Um, we can talk more about that, but you know, this is, if one in five adults are experiencing mental illness each year, then the scope of this is pretty important to talk about. And so when we talk about stigma, yeah, there's been some really positive changes over the past couple of decades um, and even in the past several years, um, but there's still a lot of work to do, and that's part of the reason why we wanted to talk about this today. Yeah, it's also important to note that 
by mental illness, they don't, and I think sometimes we think of this, it doesn't necessarily have to be a severe case of bipolar disorder, for example. Right. Or people who are so depressed they can't get out of their house. This is right. somebody saying, yeah, anxiety affects my day-to-day -day life. Depression really affects my day-to-day -day life. Mm -hmm. I have stress levels that impact my relationships. I use alcohol more than I should, and I think it has a negative impact on work. Anything like that, that you can walk down the street and there can be somebody that you pass, probably multiple people you pass, that have reported something with mental health affects my day-to-day -day life to the point that it's noticeable. Well, actually, I don't know about this because I don't know the methodology for this survey, but I think your point's still valid, but I think that this in particular was looking at like people who would meet diagnostic criteria. Which, as we talked about in our earlier podcast, can very much vary. Yeah, yeah. So it's just something to you know, keep in mind. But the thing is, is that if, if that's, so let's just say 20% of people meet the diagnostic criteria. Right, that's almost worse. <laughs> right, because then if you think about the point you just made, if that's 20% of people, think about all the other people who are experiencing all these other things but may not meet these very limited diagnostic criteria for mental illness, but are still being disrupted in some way. Yeah, now I'm even more upset about it because right. you're, that's a really valid point that depending on the study, if that right. could be a worse situation if they are including people who are on the more serious end of the spectrum. Right. Even more important mm -hmm. to talk about this. And I think what happens is that this is always reminds me of being connected to all the isms, right? Racism, mm -hmm. sexism, homophobia, that's not an ism, but you get it. Mm -hmm. that it's not necessarily, obviously it's a huge problem when somebody is very outwardly racist. Right. But that's almost easier to note and to point at as a problem. Yeah. It's the people who are well-intended and really don't want to be doing racist things, for example, that might be doing something subtly that they're not aware of, but that might be more resistant to that feedback or just unaware or not in the space where they can get that feedback because it's not so blatant. And I think mental health stigma is very similar. I don't think that people are walking around saying, I'm going to make all of these comments and I know it really impacts people's ability to seek out therapy, but I'm doing it anyway. Right. People just don't realize. Right. Totally. And so without further ado, it was almost really appropriate that this was on our calendar to schedule a podcast recording about this topic a few weeks ago, because never will I live in a world where we do not plan things out. But <laughs> it became very appropriate today because I saw an Instagram post from an account that I won't call out, but I will say is a mental health focused account. So keep this in mind that they listed a bunch of tips to in order to do something that's challenging right like mm. stepping out of your comfort zone okay. everyone would agree that what they're giving you advice to, on how to do is nerve-wracking it's anxiety provoking you're stepping outside of your comfort zone it's not easy mm -hmm. so one of the things that they told people to do is be secure and basically they said you know hey secure people are not are not going to assume that rejection is about them and it's just it's just better if you're just secure okay <laughs> easier said than done right let me just be secure and while we're at it let me just be a unicorn like that's not how right. this works if it was that simple we would do it no one right. would be insecure it's not just like oh your hands are cold put gloves on it's not right. that simple 
And someone delivering the message that it is makes someone who's reading it and struggling with insecurity, for example, feel like, well, what is wrong with me that I just can't flip a switch and be secure? Mm -hmm. Right. Because then it it almost becomes like it it kind of moves away from something being a mental health issue. So for instance, if someone is actually dealing with a social anxiety condition, then it takes something like that, just saying be secure, takes away the possibility that it's a condition or disorder that requires treatment and and professional support and then makes it a character flaw. It says like, oh, this is why you're not succeeding because you can't be secure. Well, and we would say that with nothing else. If somebody came to you and said, oh, you know, I'm really having a hard time today. I have a headache. You would be seen as the biggest jerk on the planet if your response was, well, don't. Well. <laughs> Do so, people say this? Am I missing uh, my <laughs> Well, okay. So I'm also, I don't know, I'm not going to call out um, a person who sort of has communicated this kind of philosophy in the past, but people will know who I'm talking about if they've been paying attention. Cause also I don't want to talk politics, but there's a presidential candidate that has talked before about how you can will away certain health conditions or that, you know, you just have to not manifest the disease or illness. Right. Um, and that, and those comments have obviously contributed to negative stigma and you know, arguably kept some people from getting the help that they need. And, uh, you know, those consequences could potentially be fatal. Right. Well, and on the flip side to that as well, it also continues to reinforce the idea that some emotions are bad and we're trying to get rid of them as opposed to managing them. Because be secure. Well, what if the situation is scary? Yep. Do you feel, is it possible to even feel secure in every situation you walk into? No, is the answer to that question. I'm answering right. my question. No. Right. Some situations are going to leave you feeling insecure and that's okay. Yep. It's equivalent of being like, oh, watch this really sad movie. For me, that movie is seven pounds. I don't know how somebody watches that and doesn't fall uncontrollably at the end. Mm-hmm. But it would be like, watch this movie and don't cry. Don't be sad no, I don't know how to do that. And that's not realistic. Mm -hmm. So rather than tell somebody don't feel, which for the record never works ever. Mm -hmm. Stop telling people that it is not successful. It has a 0% success rate. People might pretend they feel better. They don't. But rather than telling people don't feel, why don't you give them tips on how to manage that feeling and how to take care of themselves after they go through a situation where they feel super insecure, for example? Yeah. Well, and I'll, and just to jump off of that point, one of the things I was thinking about with regards to this topic was, um, you know, how one of the things that I hear often or that people say that I think contributes to stigma unintentionally, because I think people are just trying to be helpful, um, is saying something like, oh, you're good, or don't worry. Right. Um, because it's almost saying that it's basically communicating the message that like you said that the the, that emotional response isn't valid and doesn't require any sort of support because where do you go from there where do you go from someone saying oh you're good don't worry about it like you can't respond to that nowhere it's a conversation stopper this is a story i tell because i talk about this with clients and i'll use the story of and you you jarell will know exactly who i'm talking about 
in my previous job, I used to supervise somebody who ended up leaving, but he was perpetually late, half an hour late. And we had cameras in the facility. And so I'd meet with him and I'd say, hey, I saw that you entered the building at 9.30. What happened? No, I didn't. I was here at 9. What? No, I was here at 9. No, I saw you on the camera. You didn't get here till 9.30. No, I was here at 9. At a certain point, the conversation ends because I, I have nothing to say to that unless we're going right. to go around in a circle the same time, that many times. Right. And it also just reminds me of that when, like you said, when someone's like, oh, you know, I'm having a really hard time. I don't think I can do this. No, you're fine. Oh, okay. Right. Yes, I'm fine, but not really. So I just will shut up now. Right. And, and that's the biggest thing that it causes is that it then creates a situation in which this person feels like they either they can't trust you with whatever they're going through and or they can't trust anyone right. because everyone's going to say, oh, you're good. Don't worry about it. It'll be fine. Um, and that kills the conversation. And that's that was them trying to be vulnerable. And now they don't have support. And and then you're you know, you're increasing stigma, telling people that they shouldn't be talking about these things. And then they're suffering in silence. So, you know, then you have, that's part of the, um, what is it, um, almost like 57% of people with mental illness who don't receive treatment, that, yeah. there you go. Right. And it makes you feel like you're the person in like the tinfoil hat walking up and down the street screaming about the aliens coming. Because mm -hmm. everybody's telling you you're good and you're feeling like you're not and you eventually hear that from enough people, you're like, well, must be something wrong with me. Mm -hmm. And when you think there's something wrong with you, as opposed to, man, I'm just in this really crappy or difficult situation, or hey, this is something that pops up for people all the time. It's just part of life. You are also way less likely to go tell another person, potentially a stranger, that there's something wrong with you, because that's what you feel, even though that's not actually the case. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's bad. So I would, really advise people to be very discerning about motivational and helpful tips like things. Um, I see this all the time with motivational content too, where it's like, just be yourself. Stop needing approval from other people. Okay. Yeah. So humans are hardwired to be like pack animals. We're kind of like puppies or wolves. We yeah. are social creatures and part of being a social creature is that we do care what other people think. Right. You can choose to not let that affect your day right. or not let it change your opinion of yourself, but that doesn't mean you're not going to be bothered if somebody says something negative about you, especially when it's someone close to you. Right. And I think a lot of those messages come from places where people are like, oh, you know, your sister's being a hater, and so therefore just don't care what she says. No. No, you can learn to manage those feelings because that's a really hard situation. But the advice, just don't care. Mm -hmm. What? Like, no, it's not realistic and it makes it seem overly simple. Yeah. And it's also okay to not be okay in certain situations. And I think that's a message that we need to put out way more as often as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the, I guess the foundation from which we're speaking about all this is that like, um, emotions are not bad. They, emotions are data. They are information for you, right? So if you pay attention to whatever reaction that you're having, 
you're going to gain some really important information about, you know, what's bothering you, what's most important to you in a situation, maybe what solutions would be helpful or what ways you need support. But if you're always telling yourself and or people are always telling you that you need to not feel your way through something, then you don't get to get that information and then you're just stuck. That also causes panic. I work with a lot of clients who will feel anxiety or sadness and freak out because mm. they've been given the message for so long that those emotions mean That's something terrible is happening or they're not mm. supposed to be feeling it. And so rightfully so, you panic. There's no reason to panic. There's not going to be a time that you're still alive that you're not going to feel anxiety or sadness or anger or frustration or jealousy or what other quote unquote negative emotion you want to come up with. Yeah. So just take it in and say, oh, I feel anxious right now. Like what's, what's happening? What's yeah. going on? Right. Yeah. Or do whatever you need to do in order to manage it and make it a little bit easier to ride it out. Yeah. But it's literally in the root of the word emotion that it means temporary because mm -hmm. it will pass. And I think, again, that's the message that we need to start putting out there rather than all those subtle messages of like, you're fine. You're fine. Don't worry about it. You're okay. Mm -hmm. And this kind of segues into the next issue, especially in the days of social media, I think a lot of the reason why those messages come out, and again, I think people are well-intended and I think it's unintentional, but that doesn't mean it's not harmful. And why you get things like that is because we have a lot of people dispensing what would fall under the category of mental health advice who are not mental health professionals. Mm -hmm. And it's done in very subtle ways, right? Like I don't, at least I don't see it. Hopefully it's not existing. I don't see a lot of people posting things like, you know, mental health medication 101 from somebody who's a personal trainer or here's how to get rid of anxiety for good, says, you know, the construction worker down the street. Mm. But it's subtle things. So another situation where I'm not going to call out who it specifically is, but somebody who has a pretty large social media following posted some content on the internet, the interwebs <laughs> that was titled something like how to be comfortable being alone. Mm -hmm. This person does not have a mental health background. Mm -hmm. They're not a mental health professional. They're not licensed. They're not trained. Nothing, not even close. Mm -hmm. So a couple problems. Mm -hmm. <laughs> One, this falls into that whole category of, it's fine if you don't like to be alone, like emotions are valid and mm -hmm. okay. And if you're uncomfortable being alone, that's cool. Sometimes it's really hard to be alone. So mm -hmm. that's number one. Number two, how to be comfortable being alone and to make it feel like there's just these five or so steps to mm -hmm. doing so is kind of the same thing as that post that was like, we'll just be secure. Mm -hmm. There are so many reasons why someone could be comfortable or uncomfortable being alone. Yep. And there's a reason that while I think grad school was entirely too expensive, there is a reason why we spent years and lots of money and lots of energy and tears. Mm -hmm. Because if you know about a grad program, everybody cries. Yeah. To become licensed mental health professionals, we don't. It, there's a reason for that. Mm -hmm. It's not just about talking to somebody and giving them advice and like, hey, here's what you should do. Okay, pay me now. Bye. Mm -hmm. It's 
parsing out where someone's coming from. It's understanding that if they experienced X, they might be now experiencing Y. And it's about how do you relate to people and how to ask questions in a non-judgmental way. It's hard. Mm-hmm. And so to make it seem like it's as simple as one, two, three, four, five, obviously does the same thing as the be secure comment, but it also can be really damaging because you're not able to assess what someone's going through and you don't have the tools to manage everyone's individual situation because everyone's different. There is no such thing as these five steps equal this thing for anything, whether it's being alone, feeling less insecure, you know, doing a handstand, there's no such thing. And putting it in that way from somebody who isn't trained is the essentially the same thing as like someone who's not a personal trainer trying to tell you how to do the uh, appropriate push-up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess. So, and we've talked about this before. So what I'm what I'm wondering is, like, did this person talk about it from their personal experience? So both. And so this is kind of the, so yes and no, it was from their personal experience, but build in a way that was blanketed advice. Right. So it wasn't framed as just as this worked for me. Right. Like Um, it was in that you, you knew that that's where it was coming from, but I think people have to be very explicit with things like that. And that is the exception to the don't dispense mental health advice unless you're a mental health professional. And honestly, that goes for everything. Mm Mm-hmm. But if you frame it and make it very clear, like, hey, I am not qualified to tell you what to do for your situation, but here's what I did. Take mm-hmm. it or leave it. And dot, dot, dot. Also, go to therapy. Right. <laughs> Please share that. We yeah. That also breaks stigma in people right. sharing that, like, hey, I also struggle with anxiety. Hey, I don't like to be alone. I get depressed sometimes. I feel like I can't manage my anger. Sometimes I drink too much, right? Like that makes it feel more normal. Mm-hmm. But you have to put that disclaimer in like massive, bright, neon, blinking letters that sparkle mm-hmm. to make it very clear that you are not taking mental health advice and saying that it's the same thing as like how to put on a shoe. Mm-hmm. That like anybody can tell you how to put on a shoe. No. That's not what this is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think, so as we're talking, one of the things that just came to my mind is that I, obviously we live in the times of influencer culture. And I, I posted, I think it was actually on my Insta stories, um, a, just like a graphic of like, okay, if you're going to call yourself an influencer, then what are you positively influencing? Like, what is your influence? Because I really want people to think about what they're what they are contributing um because as we're having this conversation you might inadvertently be contributing negatively um to people's mental health because you think that you're trying to be helpful but um but you're presenting information in a way that's actually not helpful uh to people because it you know it it's very convoluted and it's a personal experience that you're trying to generalize and you know, that, that is a problem. That's definitely a problem. And so I was just thinking as you were talking that it's kind of like the difference to me from like being a documentarian and, and then being like an educator, right? Like a, if you're, if you're someone who's talking on social media, you're documenting your life. If you're, if you're submitting a, a story to a publication, um, 
about how you deal with mental illness or whatever situation, you're documenting something. You're not educating. And the professionals have to be the ones educating because they know, we know, the breadth of what you're talking about. And we can speak to those little bits of nuance that you aren't covering and we can speak about them in a way that helps people feel encouraged to get the right kind of support, whatever that looks like for them. That is such a great comparison. I just thought of it and I was like, this is the difference. It's, it's the difference between yeah. just documenting and then like, and staying in that lane, frankly, and saying like, I'm just documenting my experience and, and that line between, you know, professionals and I'll say lay people um, is lay people should be documenting. And that's, that has a lot of value. It has yeah. a ton of value in reducing stigma, being honest about your story. But if you find that you're starting to educate people, you're probably out of your depth because you cannot speak to all people living with a certain thing or certain condition, definitely not in the way that need, it needs to be done to continue to chip away at stigma and encourage people to get the support that they need. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that is a really, using kind of the example of the how to be comfortable alone, mm -hmm. a good way to even just shift that in the title would be, here's how I became more comfortable being alone. 100%. Right? Then by all means, share your information. 100%. Like, tell your story. You should tell your story. But as soon as you frame it in a how-to kind of mentality, yep. I see that all the time and it's so innocent and it's not even mental health intended yeah. as focus yeah but i see this with wellness influencers on instagram yeah, totally where they're like here's you know here's what you should do to practice gratitude here's what you should do to do this here's how you can reduce stress and what i think people who aren't in the field miss is that there are so many examples of people who do not fit into the stereotypical categories that people think of mm -hmm. and you're actually alienating people yep. because the more you see messages about hey here's how you reduce stress do the thing that doesn't work for you mm -hmm. or you feel like there's something wrong with you you know full mm -hmm. circle back to that idea people feeling like they're these crazy oddballs who is just have some type of deficiency within them that can't be helped people don't think that by sharing oh meditate journal yoga take a walk as advice that they're doing any harm and i know people don't mean to but you're yeah. actually maybe doing harm because yeah. there are people who imagine if you're somebody who has some type of trauma involving you know silence in your home right let's for whatever reason which mm -hmm. is a big thing by the way there are a lot of people who are all about the putting the tv on all the lights on like i do that to some extent Very <laughs> i was gonna say there this is my people, house and nothing has happened to me so but you're telling this person who isn't aware that it's okay to not ha do what everybody is doing mm -hmm. you keep telling this person to meditate because they're anxious and they're probably throwing themselves out a window because that would make it worse mm -hmm. And when you're a mental health professional, you're trained to think about things like that. Mm -hmm. And whereas when you are not, you're not. Mm -hmm. You're just sharing what you think is an innocent message. But what you're right. doing is, like you said, you're not staying in your lane. Yeah. So even framing it as that, hey, when I'm super stressed, here's what I do. Mm -hmm. And you list the same things. That's not a problem. Yeah. Yeah. And the well, the reason 
the reason why things like that exist is because of uh, because of influencer culture and also because of marketing. Mm-hmm. Because most of the time when people are searching for something on the internet, their question will start with how to. Right. Right. So that's why you get these real like really effective headlines of like how to feel more positively today or how to reduce your stress in seven days or, you Which, know, no, <laughs> I mean, maybe, maybe, um, but, right, maybe. But, um, that's like the better end of things. Right. Yeah, for sure. That right. this is the better end of things. Um, but again, because I maybe that's just how I think, right. It's like, you have to be conscious. Also um, depends on your goal, right? Like if, totally. if you want, let's say your stress is at a level five and you just want to take it to a level four. Yeah. You can probably do that in 48 hours. Yep. But if somebody's searching at like a level 10 stress and being like, if I don't reduce my stress, I'm going to absolutely lose it. And their goal is to take it down to a three. That's yep. not happening in seven days because of something you find on the internet. Yeah. And then by doing, by trying that thing and it not working to the degree that you hoped or wanted it to, then you see that as a failure. Right. So then, and then I, listen, a lot of the people I work with, you know, have really negative internal dialogue, right? So then that failure becomes like, yep, I've, I've tried 15 things. They've all failed. I guess I can't do anything right. I can't, I can't make myself better. I can't do this. So why do I even try? And so that's, that's really the risk of, you know, all the things that we're talking about. Um, and that's how it negatively contributes to, you know, mental health stigma is you don't know how what you're sharing is complicating the picture for people. Um, So it requires a lot of tact and a depth of understanding of all the potential things that could be at play to not fall into that trap. Yeah, absolutely. And I think if you're the one sharing information, whether it's on social media or just to people in your life, I think you need to ask yourself the question, am I giving advice or am I sharing my experience? And if I'm giving advice, do I have the training, credentials, et cetera, to give this advice? Yeah. And if the answer is no, then you need to frame it as in my experience or some version of that, or just don't share it. Yeah. And I think that's the biggest difference is that if somebody comes to me and says like, Hey, I want to get started with running. Mm-hmm. This is actually a good example. I realize as I'm, as I'm talking about it, mm-hmm. one of the biggest things that most people from just hearing people's stories struggle with when they want to get started with running or any exercise for that matter is motivation. They mm-hmm. can't stick to the plan. Mm-hmm. So I don't mean for this to be a humble brag cause I have other issues, but I don't struggle with that. I've never right. struggled with that. If I put on my calendar, I'm going to run 12 miles. Like I'm going to run 12 miles. It right. can pouring rain. I've had conversations with people, often my mother, who's like, why did you go to run in the pouring rain? And I'm like, cause it's Saturday. <laughs> because it's on the calendar. <laughs> right. It's Saturday. This is long run day. Like, I don't know. I can't even compute what you're asking me right now. Right. So I am not a coach. I am not a run coach. I can talk to people about ways to goal set and make it manageable and do that from a mental health perspective. But in terms of like, here's how to get started with a running plan and here's how to stick to it and how to make it feel less terrible. No, I I don't know. Mm -hmm. Right. I have no idea. I refer you to a run coach, Mm -hmm. right? If you have a general thing that's like, I am having a really hard time getting started with 
a fitness routine in general. Every time I just seem to lose motivation, I don't know how to prioritize it. Okay, cool. Like, let's talk about some of the things that might be affecting that from a mental health perspective. Mm -hmm. But if you're like, hey, I want to start a running program, but every time, you know, I do, I just feel so tired. I can't get out of the house. I don't know what's going on for you. Mm -hmm. You've identified the problem. Every time you start to run, you feel exhausted. There's so many things that could be going on right. that are out of my wheelhouse. So I can tell you ways that like I decide to run in the rain and I'm only somewhat miserable about it. Right. But I don't know what might work for you. Even though I have obviously years of running experience, I can only tell you what worked for me. I am not in the place to give you advice on how to start a running program. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And I think for people who are reading the information, ask yourself the same question. Say, hey, this person's giving me advice on relaxation and stress. Why are they doing that? Mm -hmm. Like, what are their credentials? Mm -hmm. Why, where do they get this information? Are they a trained mental health professional if they're talking to me about how to get out of a, a state of depression? Mm -hmm. Are they a trained mental health professional if they're talking to me about how to manage anxiety or feel better about myself? Right. No. Are they giving me nutrition advice? Are they a nutritionist? <laughs> right, that right? unless they're sharing it very clearly from their perspective, I think that's the question you ask yourself. Like, what is their authority to be sharing this information and to be advising me on what to do? Yeah. Because why do you want to take advice from someone who, to be frank, doesn't know what they're talking about? Mm -hmm. Or they're taking other qualified professionals advice and just regurgitating it mm -hmm. so at that point when you want to just hear from whatever qualified professional or professionals had that advice originally right well be because also then that also becomes a telephone game right because yeah the initial gem that they sort of like pulled from someone like a professional that shared you know uh this fact or advice or whatever um then they're also looking at it through their own filter and rarely do people just share exactly what they heard or read uh it gets put through their own filter and then as you said regurgitated but in a different way and so simple things in terms of like word choice and phrasing can completely change the meaning of something mm -hmm. that's what that game in childhood taught all of us is that yeah one you mishear one word or two words or an inflection or you know or if it goes through seven people it can completely change the message and oh so, you're actually talking about the literal game of telephone yeah the literal game of telephone because right. like there was another game that we played in karate instructor training hey mr c mr c was on our podcast please go yes. listen to a great episode full of wisdom anyway that you had a sentence that was and morbid, I realize now, but it was, I did not kill my wife. <laughs> that is pretty bad. Right? I mean, good, that's good, you didn't kill your wife. Is that but Mr. C's doing? Maybe. <laughs> I have questions. He's a little dark sometimes, but, <laughs> so each time you said the sentence, mm -hmm. put inflection on a different word, and it becomes an entirely different sentence. Oh, that's an acting, um, oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. So it's like, I didn't kill my wife. Mm -hmm. Very different than I didn't kill my wife, which is very different than I didn't kill my wife. Like, it's a totally different sentence, depending on which word you emphasize the most, mm -hmm. but it's literally the same words. Yep. So that's even something that 
is so simple, but can absolutely change the meaning of what the message is, which is what you said. It's the telephone game and suddenly you're getting completely different advice than what was originally intended just because something very subtle is being shifted. Yeah, totally. Um, so other ways that people contribute to stigma. Um, this one I think happens a lot in conversation and I have to, I own up to this. Uh, I, obviously I think because of what I do, I'm a little better than average on this front. Um, but it's also a very man thing or people who are gendered as men. Um, offering up solutions too quickly. Ugh. <laughs> I figured that would, that would poke at you a little uh. bit. Um, it's one of the ways in which, again, people were trying to be helpful. Um, where we, but we get so fixated on fixing something for someone, you actually neg, you contribute to mental health stigma. You contribute to this person feeling like they can't get the support that they need and that they want or that will be helpful. If you're always trying to fix something or offering up solutions too quickly, it essentially means that you're not listening. You're not listening, you just, you're only listening to identify a problem so that you can propose a solution. And again, I know that, and this is not unique to men, um, but a lot of us want to be helpful. But sometimes the most helpful thing is just to be with someone and be in the space in which they're acknowledging their vulnerability. That in and of itself is incredibly healing. And so I, I just want people to be encouraged to create a bit more space for the people in their lives to just be with them, you know, even if you have to internally set yourself on like a clock and say like, all right, I'm not gonna try and offer a solution until five minutes into this conversation. Trust me, that person's gonna feel much better than if they said, you know what, I'm having this problem, um, I'm really struggling with it, and you say, okay, we'll do this thing. Because again, that's a conversation killer. Yeah, also, and this is like my personal pet peeve on this as well, which I've had this conversation with others, so I know I'm not in, at least entirely alone. Mm. You're also assuming that the person even wants a solution. Right. And it can be very offensive. This comes up for me a lot, actually, when I'm ranting or just really sad about a pain flare. Mm -hmm. where I'll say, oh man, like this just really sucks today. And people are like, oh, have you tried this? And I want to strangle them because like, no, thank you. I've dealt with this for nearly 20 years, but I have never <laughs> right. tried this really simple thing. You yeah. with experience managing this just came up with in the last five seconds. Right. And I know people don't mean it that way, which is why right. I very rarely actually say it, but right. that is what it feels like. Right. You're basically saying, oh, well, you have this problem that you're having a difficult time managing. I know better than you. I have the fix. I have the solution. Mm -hmm. the only reason that you've had such a hard time up to this point is because you haven't talked to me yet. <laughs> right. What? Like, no. Most of the time, unless somebody is literally asking what should I do or says, I don't know what to do, mm. or I wish someone could give me an idea. Yeah. They're not asking for help with the quote unquote problem. They're asking for emotional support. Yeah. So yeah. when I tell somebody like, Hey, 
you know, my like hip won't loosen and it's really frustrating and it kept me up last night. I'm not looking for solutions because I, I, I know I, I got you. Like, don't worry about it. Don't tell me to foam roll. Cause yeah. I have two. I got, I, I understand. I remember to foam roll. What I'm looking for is someone to be like, man, that sucks. Or, Oh, you must be really tired. Can I help in another way? Like, do you need anything from me? You know, can I make something else easier for you? Not literally how to fix the problem. Yeah. So without meaning to, it comes off as very arrogant. Yeah. And well, again, making yeah. somebody feel like there's something wrong with them that they couldn't have figured out a solution that so easily came to you. Right. And I think, and what that, it's like the problem that creates aside from making someone potentially feel stupid is you know, they, and uh, offended, is that what, and what you're saying, Rachel, is that people, when we're in those moments, what we really want is just to be seen. Yep. Like, I want you to see me. I want you to see how I'm hurting. I want you to see my pain and I want you to witness it because that means I'm not carrying it alone. Right. Right. No matter what it is. So I think fundamentally, like all, everyone listening, this is what I want you to understand is that most of the time, when something is happening, especially interpersonally, it's like, we just want to be seen. We want yeah. you to witness what's happening for us. And we'll let you know if we want a solution, if we want a suggestion on how to move forward. Um, but if, you're, if you think that maybe what the person is fishing for, maybe they aren't as assertive, then you can always ask. Yes. Like, do you, so like, I, I see, I hear you're having a hard time. I'm sorry. That really sucks. Like, are you looking for something that you like an idea to help it? Or are you looking for a suggestion or something you can try and let that person respond before you right. offer up something? Because, you know, most of the time they're really just looking to be seen. Right. And to know someone cares, right? That's usually why That's we go to me. friends or family as opposed to, you know, random strangers on the street. Mm -hmm. Be like, hello, sir, sir in the red hat. Like I'm having a hard time today, mm -hmm. which like, cool. If guy in the red hat wants to give you a hug. But most of the time we seek out people that we know care about us. And so we want that reminder, right? We want to feel like, Hey, I'm having a hard time. And that bothers someone other than me. Yeah. It's a yeah. nice feeling. Mm-hmm. Okay, I have one more to add that I feel like is a very good summary of everything. Okay, and then I have another one. Oh, so you, I'm not even gonna get to do my dramatic ending, okay. So do you want me to go first? Yeah, you go first, I have a dramatic okay. ending. All I'm right. this as like a huge thing and everybody <laughs> like, that was not exciting. Right, I was like, now you're selling it, so yeah, good luck. Um, <laughs> but my last one um, that I was thinking about is one of the ways in which we contribute to mental health stigma is and this is like a, a little different focus, um, but um, it's by being hard on ourselves. So like saying something like, you know, if you're having a problem and you're telling your friend about it, saying something like, oh, I'm just being stupid. Like that's one of those ways in which you communicate to yourself <laughs> that your feelings don't matter, that your mental health, your emotions aren't valid. So try and work on that. Yeah. Try and work on that. And, and then, you know, obviously in conversation with other people too, try not to minimize people's feelings in that way. Even if it's joking, right? You know, you can, if it's someone really close to you, obviously there's a lot of license on how you talk to each other. 
that might not otherwise fit for the general public. But, you know, I think it's important to be conscious of how you're talking to yourself, even when you're talking to other people. Yeah. And I always say to clients too, because I'll hear that all the time, like, oh, I'm just being ridiculous. And I'm like, well, even if you are, you still feel this way. Yep. It doesn't matter. You yep. might be being the most absurd person ever, and yet you're still sad. So can right. we talk about your sadness? Yep, totally. <laughs> right? It doesn't matter. Emotions are irrational. Right. They're, they don't make any sense. Yeah. But that's okay. Every, I want to say 99% of how we feel makes no logical sense. Mm-hmm. And yet, here we are. Yep. So let's just get rid of that. It doesn't matter if you're being ridiculous. We're all being ridiculous. So just let's all be ridiculous together and support each other. Yep, totally. So in summary of all of this, because basically what our subtle message is, is it's okay to seek out therapy and therapy is great, is stop using therapy as an insult. Ah, that's a good one. Thank you. See, totally worth it, right? That was a good one. Okay, thank you. Glad, glad it lived up to all its billing. <laughs> but when you say to somebody, oh man, she needs to go to therapy. Like she's mm-hmm. crazy. So why is it a bad thing to need to go to therapy? Mm-hmm. My clients are great. They're all wonderful people. There's nothing wrong with them. Yeah. I've gone to therapy. There's nothing wrong with me. Therapy is great. So let's stop telling people that Going to therapy means you're crazy, means there's something wrong with you in really subtle ways. And even suggesting it in a joking manner to a friend, like, you know, oh, you are a hot ass mess. Maybe you should get therapy. <laughs> mm-hmm. I get that that's a joke, but that continues to just perpetuate the stigma of that you have to go to therapy only when you're a hot mess mm-hmm. and something is really wrong with you. Like there's something odd about you if you have to go to therapy. Everyone should go to therapy. Mm-hmm. It makes you a better person. Yeah. It helps you understand yourself better. It helps you relate to other people better. It helps you communicate better. Life and being a person is hard. Yeah. It's a hard thing to do. And there are things that we all struggle with. Like I have my stuff, Jarrell has his stuff, mm-hmm. and we do this for a living. Mm-hmm. So everyone has stuff. So there's nothing wrong with and everything right with going to seek out a professional that can help you learn to manage your stuff. Yeah. And can I put like a, an asterisk on this? Because. Good one. Because. I train. <laughs> because uh, for everyone who's listening, sometimes people will use that as an insult or a slur with the explicit purpose of dismissing your feelings. So if you are, because and like a lot of times this, this is can be one of the ways in which people emotionally abuse one another is sort of say like, Oh, like I don't want to deal with what craziness you're bringing to the table right now. So you go talk to a professional because you need to work that shit out. Right. It's, It's one of the ways in which people can absolve themselves of being with you and seeing you. Um, so if that's something that you hear a lot and you know, um, it's something to be conscious of and be aware of that person may not have your best interest at heart. Yeah. That's a really good point. And if that's the case, they're not somebody you should probably be sharing your feelings with anyway. Yeah. Cause that can make you feel worse. Yeah, totally. 
so yeah, we hope that you have learned something and can go forth and be really positive advocates for mental health because I know that's what most people who we spend some time calling out want to be. Mm -hmm. But when you know better, you do better. So, and I think that's the thing that we should all strive for is to know better so we can do better. Mm -hmm. And so hopefully this provided some information for you all today. Mm -hmm. So thank you for listening. Enjoy the rest of your day. <laughs> Feel your feelings. There, It's okay. All your feelings are valid. Yes. And while you're feeling your feelings, please <laughs> find us on social media at Viva Wellness NYC on Instagram and Twitter. And I am at Rachel Gersten on Instagram and Twitter. And I'm at Jarell Carabello on Instagram and Twitter. And if you really want to make us happy, see, feelings, feelings are good, <laughs> leave us a rating and review and share with a friend. Word of mouth is great. Um, we want people to share the podcast if they're enjoying it or if they think that there's something helpful. Share it with a friend, a family member, that guy with the red hat on the street. You can share it with him too. <laughs> Although triggered, so be careful. Make sure you look friendly or like ask permission. Be like, hey. I heard a really great podcast. May I share this with you? Yeah. Consent is important. Fair enough. And on that note, see you next time. Bye.